When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Profoundly Pointless. My name is Nick Vinzant. Coming up in this episode, snow biking and A-foods. Not A-holes, A-foods. The biggest thing is backcountry riding, freedom. Snow bikes, snowmobiles, it's a blank canvas out there. It's absolutely, you want to go to that peak three mountains over, just start heading there. I don't know, the first... The first year with the bronze gave me so much disappointment because I, I was actually leading the race and I stalled the bike. And the only thought, the first time I hit it, what I was thinking, I'm like, man, a snow bike's never done this. I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you get a chance, subscribe, leave us a rating or review. We really appreciate it. It really helps us out. If you're a new listener, welcome to the show. If you're a longtime listener, thank you so much for all of your support. So our first guest is a three-time X Games gold medalist in snow biking, but he also does motocross, base jumping, all kinds of different extreme sports. This is Cody Matichuk. So I know this shouldn't really be the first question to ask you, but when I was watching the snow bike videos and kind of learning about it, I just kept wondering, like, how did, how did this become a sport? Just evolution. People have been messing with this stuff since, you know, since 1900s or earlier, since there's been motors. Um, but the last 10, 15, 20 years is when it's actually been good enough to bring to the masses. <laughs> it's hard to get a snow bike, which is lower powered than a snowmobile, and make the chassis dynamics and everything work so it's actually usable for the majority of people. So the technology is just finally caught up to what the idea is of it basically when did you get into it they're very recent so my first year on them was 2016 and it was actually the first time i wrote one because they were always kind of shitty before um they hit the market in like 2010 or maybe just before with this old style kit two moto that you couldn't really get anywhere they're fun on downhills but as far as like being able to explore the mountain, they just weren't that good. So now with the recent um, developments in it all and us being able to do our own testing and uh, it, it's just, it's come a long way. So in 2016, when I finally got on one, I was like, all right, this is now good enough where I'm down to sell my sled and go full time on this. And the year after X Games popped up, um, they wanted to put snow bikes in and everything kind of just, you know, right time, right place. And it just all unfolded. I want to get into kind of the X game stuff a little bit later, but like when you look at it, what is, what is it about the snow bike that you like? Like what makes it kind of different from other aspects? The biggest thing is backcountry riding freedom. It's, uh, when you go riding trails on a dirt bike or a mountain bike, you're following someone else's trail. You're following a predetermined route snow bikes snowmobiles 
it's a blank canvas out there. It's, you know, it's snowboarding without a, following a cat track, without following signs. It's absolutely, you want to go to that peak three mountains over, just start heading there. And you can, you have absolute freedom to go up, down, sideways, off stuff. Like it doesn't matter. Um, it's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's a foam pit. Like when you get good snow, the whole world becomes a foam pit. You can jump off anything. You can bail off things. It's so much fun just because it's, it's free riding with the safety of, you know, if I mess up, I can jump off and go a hundred, 150 feet to my back and I'll be good. <laughs> Now, but is it one of those things like, right, like I think that you obviously take it kind of more to the extreme example, but is it something that like, man, if I just want to go putt around on this thing, I can do that? Or do you have to have a certain skill level to really kind of maximize? It's actually something that I prefer to put new people on rather than snowmobiles. <clears throat> so if I'm bringing my girlfriend or some older people or whatever, it's easier as a beginner to get around the mountains on a snow bike than a snowmobile. The trail will be a little bit harder, but once you're in the backcountry dealing with different angles of slopes and stuff, where on a snowmobile you have to kick it up on one ski and hold it on one ski as you're climbing or descending, a snow bike, you're riding across a, a side slope, you just ride across it. There is no like trying to hold it up on an angle. Um, so all these weird angles on a snowmobile become non-existent on a snow bike. And it's just an amazing experience to go see the backcountry and see the glaciers and go to ice caves and just go explore what's out there. It's crazy how much terrain you can cover. I mean, the way you describe it makes it sound amazing. Like, that sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah. How come? But why, is it, why isn't it more popular? It's expensive. It's a lot of work. You know, um, snowmobiles these days, it's are like vehicles. They're turnkey, go. You can ride them, put them away wet, ride them, put them away wet, do that for an entire season and be good. Snow bikes, you're pretty much working on them after every day, a little bit. Every second day you're doing oil changes, you're always checking bolts. They're not as refined as a snowmobile because they are still a custom, prod, uh, custom product. You're putting a kit onto a bike. So for general people that... Um, want to just buy a toy and go out and ride it takes more work on a snow bike to keep it all together do you think they'll get that figured out though is that a growing pains thing or is that just going to be like nah that's just how this is going to be if we come to a time where there's custom built purpose-built snow bikes and they're running off an assembly line then yeah it could definitely be where the snowmobiles are is there any rivalry between the snow bikers and the snowmobilers? Like, because I'm old enough that I kind of remember skiers for snowboarders, and that was a thing for a while. I actually like to uh, bring it all back to the snowboard ski rivalry because, especially when it first started, um, when people didn't see what snow bikes are capable of, that was a huge thing. You know, we always joke that snowmobiles are like quads, they're the quad riders. <laughs> So there's definitely punches back and forth. Um, but in the end, it's it's really just, if you got a crew of sledders, it's going to be a little weird being the only snow biker or vice versa. You got a crew of snow bikers, it's going to be weird being the only sledder. So you got a group of friends, you guys all do the same thing. No matter what, you're going to have a great time in the backcountry. It's just different tools for the same job, basically. Now you won X Games three years in a row? Correct, yeah, and a bronze the year before that. I would imagine the first time was amazing, but did you start to feel a lot of pressure the second and the third year? A little bit. Um, 
definitely felt like more pressure, but I don't know. The first, the first year with the bronze gave me so much disappointment because I, I was actually leading the race and I stalled the bike and I went back in the pack, came back to third. So I was kind of (laughs) pissed. The next year I had a fire under me and there wasn't, there was no way I was coming home with anything other than first. And once I kind of learned a formula through that year, I used that formula from the, for the years to come and kind of did the same thing, rode the same amount, went to the same events, and was able to come to X Games feeling like the most prepared guy there, which if you can, you know, just do a little bit more than everyone else, it's pretty easy to have the confidence um, going into it. And then I like playing mind games when I'm, when I'm there with the guys, but um, just trying to set myself up to have the most confidence coming into the event and knowing that um, I did the most work out of the entire field. What do you mean mind games? You like messing with them or something? Or Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I go, what's the word? Cold turkey or like uh, I shut right off. I don't talk to really anybody, give everyone cold shoulders and uh, just kind of do my own thing and let them talk and let them start rumors and let them shake a little bit and uh just let the riding do the talking so x games isn't doing the snow bike competitions right now do you still feel like you're the best in the world at it um it'd be hard to say there's been people racing um the last few years um but as of last year i guess uh the national snowcross association which is across the united states um, they actually pulled snow bikes out and they used to have snow bikes at every round. I think now they just have them at like three rounds. So kind of everyone's losing practice. Um, I do spend a lot of time in the backcountry riding and busting up, you know, range roads and whooped out trails, which always helps. Um, so yeah, I think if needed be, if we need to go racing again, spend, you know, go back to the program spend the few months, November, December, January training and riding. And, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't see why I can't be on top again. If, uh, I just, it, I know the commitment it takes. Um, right now I'm riding freestyle motocross and it's a lot of fun and racing is, you know, you got to sell your soul a little bit for it. So whether I would go back, that's another question. I'm not sure. When you kind of look at it, do you feel like you generally push yourself more or hold yourself back more? On the track, um, I feel like it's, a, it's you know, we're hanging it all out, um, especially at X Games. You have, basically, uh, my program starts in September when I'm training for uh, end of January X Games. And that whole six months or the entire year before is all adding up to one weekend, one race. There's a heat race and there's a main event. There's no last chance qualifier. There's nothing. So if you don't make it to the main, you're years done so it's it's there's not much room to leave anything on the table um you have to try and not crash and be efficient and not get taken out because a start on snow bikes with everyone going into turn one everyone's used to being on six foot long dirt bikes now they're on 10 foot long snow bikes it gets rowdy so it's just trying to make it out alive out of turn one and um keep it consistent through the rest of the track um yeah, it's it's a you know there's there's mind games. It's it's kind of like ride at ninety ninety five percent, ride at a hundred 
for a couple laps that you need to. Because the only thing that I could ever compare it to, right? Like I do mountain biking and I go over like the bunny slopes, right? But there's <laughs> always these times where like, I know I could do this. I know I could do this. And I just can't get myself to do this. Did you ever struggle with that? Or have you always been just like, man, I just go for it? Um, Go for it, but with practice and with confidence. Um, you know, bicycles or whatever it is, we've always been j building jumps since I was three years old, pulling them back a little bit farther, a little bit farther. So it, it gives you the confidence to come into these things. Um, I don't generally do something unless I know it can be done or unless I know I can do it or I baby step my way into it. But um, everyone, and I think that's the same with everyone, it's just what my baseline is versus what someone else's baseline is can be substantially different. Like, why are you good at it? Um, I think practice and the amount of different sports that I've done through my life. Um, I've rode professional street bikes, professional dirt bikes. I'm a professional wingsuiter, professional FMX rider, professional snow bike rider, and professional snowmobile rider, among all my other hobby side of sports. So you can start pulling from all these different activities and when you're constantly learning new sports whether it's extreme sports or my latest learn is actually golf which is a insanely frustrating sport to learn but um you start pulling from everything and having all these experiences in your quiver ready to pull from um you know the corner speed and the precision of street bikes the gnarliness and the ever-changing track conditions of dirt bikes um, I rode bulls for a little bit in high school. You got the burliness of that and being able to just react to a moving animal, you know. Um, you can start pulling from all these sports and adding them into your own style. Um, so I think just being able to do as many things as possible when you're young and growing up through it and always challenging yourself to learn keeps you in the right mindset to be able to push through any anything <laughs> um are you ready for some harder slash listener submitted questions yeah let's go what is your worst injury and how did you come back from it had a few bad injuries um nothing crazy though um you know plates in the collarbone i just broke my back shattered legs but nothing that had to do any crazy long-term healing um, i've always been really good at healing and lately i've been diving into chinese medicine chi some real crazy things. And um, for example, my back break, I was riding again in five weeks. I was actually wingsuiting again in three weeks. Um, and there's a, that, that was a gnarly crash. So, uh, I mean, you can learn anything. You can definitely learn how to heal quick. Walking down the stairs, I'd be worried about my back. <laughs> Does it linger in your mind or do you just put it completely aside? I kind of come to terms with it every every crash has a different reason for the crash, whether it's your fault, someone else's fault, and those can play. Um, this one wasn't really my fault. Like I know what I did, but there was also a bit of just random fluke to it. So it's not something that really lingers in my head, that one. Um, if you completely mess something up, then I definitely feel how it is, uh, how it can affect the comeback of it. But... <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's hard. I know it's hard to come back. Fear is a serious thing, but um, facing fear every day with the extreme sports, the wingsuiting where you're facing 
while well, base jumping, you're facing death every day. But all those help a guy overcome it. And all we can really change is what's right now. So living in the past, letting those thoughts intrude, it's, uh, it's always just a downhill slope. So yeah, being able to conquer the mind. As an athlete, was there ever a point where you feel like, okay, I figured this out. Like I unlocked the secret to getting my success. And do you remember what that was? It comes and goes for sure. <laughs> um, you know, there's, there's a time racing X game. Sponsors were good. Money was good. Wasn't much problems. All I had to do was hit the gym, workout, race. Things are good. X Games goes away. Things change. Now we're switching sports. I'm in freestyle motocross full-time now. So for sure, there's times of comfort, but that usually doesn't last. You know, everything changes. Everything moves in the world, universe, whatever you want to say. Um, so comfort's a dangerous thing, I think. I agree with that, right? <laughs> but it's hard to take risks. I think a lot of people struggle with taking risks. Yeah, change is good, though. Um, I agree. A lot of people do struggle with taking risks because it's easy to be comfortable. And taking risks, um, I mean, any type of risk, whether it's job, personal risk, sports, whatever, it all leads to change in a way, whether it's change in growth or change in injury or, you know, you might lose your job. But change is good, negative or positive. You're learning lessons either way. You know, stagnation is not good. So, um it can be scary, but usually you look back on any type of risk and uh, the end result, maybe five, ten years later, is positive. What do you feel like is the best place to go snow biking? I have been quite a few places, including Japan, Chile. haven't made it over to Russia yet, but North America and BC. I mean, it's really hard to beat British Columbia. Um, I usually bounce between Whistler, the coast, and... Um, interior bc like revelstoke area um but basically all of bc and then storm chasing from there um it's just the snow that we usually get not this year this year it's terrible but the snow we usually get is uh hard to beat anywhere in the world does it change everything like how important is the snow condition i guess to the experience to get to the question snow is everything um the more snow you got the more fun you're going to have period. And, but it, it changes, you know, for me, I like jumping. So the more snow I get, the more freedom I have to jump off big things. I can't jump off a 50 foot cliff with barely any snow. I need the snow to create that soft landing. Um, if you're just going to explore, generally it's easier to explore in bad snow conditions with a snow bike than a snowmobile. So I guess it depends on your purpose, but I think everyone would agree the more snow, the better, for sure. Uh, what do you think is the future of the sport? A few years ago, I would say, you know, racing, X Games, all that. Now it's hard to say. Um, I think the snow bike world needs a purpose-built snow bike and something for everyone to get excited about. Um, we've been bringing new people into the sport, moto guys. It's been good, slowly growing, but... It could be a lot better. So I think just innovation is the, the biggest thing, um, innovation in the actual snow bike itself. Do you think it can survive without a big competition? Like if there isn't some big competition, can this keep going? 
Yeah, I think I think it can keep going because the racing is good for promotion and stuff, but it's not good for the masses. You know, most people don't want to buy a bike to go buy a snow bike and build a snow bike to go on a track. It's not what they're built for. They're built for the mountains. So, you know, that that's that's their biggest thing. They they like the mountains, they like the fresh powder, um and they're really good at <laughs> backcountry. Um, so somebody's looking to get into this, like what kind of equipment should they be looking at? What should they watch out for? Someone looking to get into it, I would say go do a guided tour. Um, snow bikes are expensive to get into. You know, it's you can get into a used bike, but used bikes can be very scary. Anything older, because it's such a new uh, scene, anything older is like tenfold worse. Every year there was such big technology uh technology <laughs> technical advances in the uh in the equipment so i would say if you're buying a snow bike um spend a little bit extra to get something a little bit newer or and go take a tour go take a guided tour not just a rental and go see what what you really can get into kind of help me get some perspective on this you're going probably how fast jumping how far the snow bike's 10 feet long. That's the best way to put it. So, you know, that this one's like Holy probably 160 feet, 150 feet. Um, these little things are super fun, quarter pipes. The gyro of the track allows you to do these like 180s. Um, allows you to kick over and spin the bike around and keep it all balanced using the track speed to bring you around. With the weight, with the weight of that, do you have to like muscle it the whole way, or can you kind of just get it going and it'll take itself around the curve, so to speak? Yeah, you kind of initiate it. There's there's a little bit of you know it, it's it's like anything. The wor- um the least efficient you are, the more muscle you, you'll have to use. But if you can be really efficient with the timing of everything, then it doesn't take much effort. But it's you have to be very precise. Um, but yeah, it's just a, you know, set it off the lip, do a little bit of something in the middle air and hopefully you timed everything right to (laughs) land back down and not explode. I actually have a video, I think right after this video where I was doing a quarter pipe and I over rotated one and you can see me blow off and crash. (laughs) How fast are you usually going through there? Not much, not that fast. Like a lot of those bigger jumps were either third or fourth gear, but it's not third or fourth on a dirt bike. It's third or fourth on a snow bike, which is a lot less. Um, I don't really have a speed for you, but we spent a lot of time packing runways and making the transition of the jump very smooth because it's so easy to like G out in something and lose 10 mile an hour. Um, so it's just a constant game of trying to use gravity, trying to use the right curves of the mountain to allow yourself to have as much speed as possible. Um, And generally, if you want to go really big, it's a step down more than a double or a gap. So it's not like you're going like 100 miles an hour, right? No. Now, is 160, is that a big jump or is that kind of like, man, that's Tuesday? Um, It's big for sure. It's, uh, there's no, none in this, like that one right there is a big one. Um, one of the bigger ones for a snow bike, but I've done a few that are like to the point where it's testing what a snow bike's ever done. So, um, there's a step down in Whistler 
by Grizzly Lake. It's like a 150 foot step down. The total vertical distance is probably 80 feet down. Um, and you're looking at this thing. It's a step down. You got to hit it fourth gear to make it over the gap because it's an actual like gap. And the only thought, the first time I hit it, what I was thinking, I'm like, man, a snow bike's never done this. I have no idea what's going to happen. Like, you're landing one ski way down the mountain. Is it going to pop out? Is it going to stick and fold? Is it going to bust in half? Like, I don't know if the forks are going to break off. But in the end, there's only one way to try. And, um, you know, it, it, it doesn't come on the first year. It's come from years and years of sending it bigger and bigger and bigger and getting to the point where, well, we got to go bigger to see if it can go bigger. So um, it's just kind of what it's evolved to. You're not, you're not just checking the user's manual? <laughs> no. Yeah, we're writing it. Okay, when this replays, like when did you realize like, oh, crap? <laughs> Pretty soon because I knew I was going to over-rotate, but with the deep snow – Sometimes if you can get your weight, so you can see me shift my weight far to the left, my left. Yeah, yeah. Um, for landing, trying to like counteract all that force. But because the back end whipped out a little bit too much, it just, I couldn't hold on to it. Sometimes, you know, if that landing was three feet higher, I probably could have stuck it. But um, yeah, it was just a little bit too much and blew off the side. So you knew for like right like they like oh crap from the very yeah, beginning kind of like oh man I done fucked up yeah dude what are you doing <laughs> like what that's crazy man innovation that's a great answer by the way innovation <laughs> that's what I'm doing don't you worry about it yeah <laughs> like that this was in uh, Pemberton uh, up the Rutherford right on the glacier and that was my fourth snow bike base. Is it really fun or is it kind of like, okay, I'm just going to see if I can do this? Or would you really be like, no, man, you got you to try this. It's great. I'd love to say you got to try this. It's great. But it takes years and years of both snow bikes and riding and parachuting to combine it all. There's a lot of things that are happening there that can kill you. <laughs> um, but the feeling, it it is amazing. There's... Riding bikes all my life and then being able to ride bikes off a cliff into a parachute and seeing, you know, the GoPro angle of that is insane. When you pop off the lip and you see like three, four hundred feet of air underneath your front fender, it's just kind of like, what the hell am I doing here? This is great. Um, right. it's, just, it's a perspective that you can't manufacture. You just, you got to go out there and do it. So it's, uh, yeah. Just taking different passions and merging them all together. I'm always fascinated by logistics. Mm -hmm. Like, did you test the parachute on the snow bike first? Did the snow bike work afterwards? Um, I don't really have a budget to go, like, drop it out of a heli and test it. So the first test was just <laughs> riding it off a cliff. Um, you know, I, I hung it in my shop off a forklift to see, like, how it hangs under the parachute, get the right connection points. Um. But besides that, you know, I, I had the confidence going into the first one to know that I would be okay, but I didn't have the confidence to know that the bike would be okay. Um, wasn't sure how that was going to go, but the way that it's connected to me, 
as long as my bike didn't stall or something going off the jump, I knew that I was going to be okay. So that helps, you know, breathe a lot of confidence into the whole situation of it. Um, but yeah, no, they're, you're watching the testing. That is testing right here. <laughs> so the one thing, okay, I can only compare it to like mountain biking because that's the only thing that I know about, right? And like in my mind, mountain biking, okay, don't go over the front, right? Like don't go over mm-hmm. the handlebars. Is there something similar with snow biking where like you got to watch this part of it all the time? For sure. I think the biggest mistake I see from people riding and jumping and learning how to do drops is they kind of treat it like um, if you're going long on a dirt bike where you land back tire and slap the front tire down. And if you do this off even a six foot drop, it, it'll send you over the handlebars. And it scares people off of jumping because they're like, oh, I can't do it. My bike won't do it. It's like, well, we just got to work on your body position and what you're actually doing in the landing. And we can make you jump these big jumps. It's not hard it's just we got to change you um the thing with snow bike is you kind of got to land it like a jet ski where you're like diving in and bombing out it's like you you need it to land front ski first and then it'll do like you know it'll go in and out and you'll bounce out of the snow if you land back or tail first then what happens is your front slaps down your ski folds up and it basically hits the brakes on you and you go over the bars every time (laughs) So it's, it's, you know, it's just, yeah, there's definitely, it's finicky. Um, and it's unnatural to land front ski first, especially into steep slopes. But, um, generally that's what's needed. That is kind of interesting, right? They're like, it's, it's counterintuitive, at least to me. It's like, no, hit the front part first. Like, wait a minute, I'm not going to flip over the damn thing. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's the opposite of what you think. Oh, that's cool. So this is a second gear step down. Um, This is actually right across from the snow bike base you were just watching, which is on the other side of the valley there. That's an old snowboard jump, or not old, but very popular snowboard jump in films and stuff. It's beautiful out there. Oh, it's amazing. That's that's where you can go ride with uh, Jeff Kyle and Pemberton Mountain Moto. That's pretty much all the questions I got, man. Is there anything that we kind of missed or... Anything like that? Um, I don't think so. I mean, the biggest biggest advice through our whole conversation, I would say, is is be open to trying new things. And if you're looking at going to do snow bikes, man, go. It's it's amazing. Um, the snow definitely plays a part in it. So maybe don't go right now in January if you're in BC because it kind of sucks up there right now. But uh, wait a couple, wait a month or so, and it's going to be pretty rad. And get out there and enjoy the outdoors because it's the places snow bikes can take you and the places just saying yes can take you are uh, quite amazing. I want to thank Cody so much for joining us. If you want to connect with him, we have linked to him on our social media sites. We're profoundly pointless on TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube. And we've also included his information in the episode description. If you want to see some of the things that he does, and they are very impressive and crazy to watch. The YouTube version of this episode will be live on January 18th at 12.30 p.m. Pacific. Okay, now let's bring in John Shaw and get to the pointless part of the show. How long will you spend texting or emailing somebody? 
before you're willing to call them. Minute, five minutes, hour? Not very long. I mean, I'm not going to put a minute limit on it, but uh, if it's something that I need immediately, I call. Mm, so you're taking it from like a work perspective, though. But what about somebody personally? Because we've been texting back and forth, and I've called you, and then you suddenly didn't answer the phone. So when was that? I don't even remember when that was. I don't know. It's been a while, dude. I didn't jot it down in my diary. Do you actually, when you call someone, do you actually expect them to answer the phone? No, never. Do you think that you can just straight up call someone now? Or do you feel like you need to text them and then call? Like, hey, I'm going to call you. No, but I, I think you're more apt to get a response texting. I think texting has completely made us as a society disillusioned from having to actually communicate with each other. Well, I'm not sure. I'm not entirely sure. I do think that every generation looks at the younger generation and new technology and is like, that's dumb. That back in my day, we didn't do it that way, right? Like the generations older than you felt the same way that you feel about the generations younger than you. Or if we've actually like, oh, maybe this is really a bad idea and we should kind of bring actually talking to people back. Well, if we're going to talk about how shitty the generations are. Oh, God. I don't think... <laughs> Okay, I, let's hear it, because then I'll give you my spiel about it. It has to be said that there is something up with the generation that was after you and I's generation, because the Buffalo Bills, they're, I, they actually, they're playing Monday, or played Monday in the playoffs. They had to postpone that game because the Buffalo area got hit with like 40 inches of snow. Crazy amount of snow, but apparently for Buffalo, that's, that's just like an, a Sunday. Yeah, they get lake effect there. My <laughs> mother's from Niagara Falls, which is next to Buffalo, so don't talk to me oh. about Buffalo. Anyways, I'm not talking about Buffalo. Uh, the the Buffalo Bills needed people to go into the stadium and basically shovel snow off the seats so they could have the stadium ready for fans for today. Uh, they were offering $20 an hour to do so. Guess how many people they had show up to do it? Uh, 20. Close. Double that. Less than 50. But... I'm thinking if you're a young person, why wouldn't you do that? You work six hours, make $120. Yeah, you're in the cold, you're shoveling snow, but like, why wouldn't you do that? I'd be all over that. This is my rant about businesses. I don't like this whole rant about businesses because as a business, you either profit off your product or you profit off of labor. And businesses are used to profiting off of people's labor. And now that people don't want to do that anymore, oh, they don't like it. Nobody wants to work. No. People still want to work, pay them more money, and they'd show up. I just think that's <laughs> bull. I think that's I mean, all bull. I mean, I don't, I don't disagree with you on that part of it. I mean, businesses are – we could have a whole podcast year talking about businesses and how shitty they are. I'm just saying that – I mean, our generation, like I'm not going to go out there and shovel because I'm old. And I'd probably have a heart attack. So you're criticizing younger people for do, not doing something that yeah. you yourself wouldn't do. I mean, listen, I would do it. I, you, I absolutely would. If, if Detroit, the Detroit Lions were asking for volunteers on a Saturday night to do that, and I could, I, of course I would do it. Just for the fun of it. Maybe people don't like it, right? Like maybe $20, and I think that you had to do it like overnight in the middle of the winter in the freezing cold, I do really it. hard labor doesn't really sound appealing to people. Charge more, pay more money. I bet you'd have a lot more people show up. Oh, we don't want to do that. <laughs> I mean, once again, I don't. Do, I mean, I don't disagree with you. These these NFL teams make. I mean, hell, the Detroit Lions game was on. Uh, or no, I'm sorry, not the Detroit. Was it the Kansas City Chiefs game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. W was streaming only. 
Like, are you kidding me? So anyways, yeah, yeah. I don't I don't disagree with you at all. I don't have any problem with any generation. Every generation is a product of their time. And if you took our generation and put it in the same age as this generation now, we would be exactly the same. Same with the people who fought World War II. Same with every generation that you're going to talk about. They're all mm. products of their own time. And every generation feels the same way about the generations above them and the generation below them. And they always will. So I don't like whenever people are like, oh, this generation today. Like, yeah, you'd be the same. You sound like such an old man right now. Also, I polled the audience. Uh, let's see. Let's see what the answer is. 48% of people said they would rather spend 10 plus minutes texting and emailing someone rather than calling them. And that is a wide majority. 15% said they would spend less than a minute. Minute One to five said 30%. That's where I am in the one to five range. Five to 10, 9%, and 10 plus minutes, 48%. Yeah, dude, people don't want to talk to people. I wouldn't want to talk to me either. I mean, once again, right, right, we just talked about generations, right? Our generation was kind of what started all of this with texting and AOL Instant Messenger. So maybe our generation is the problem. Maybe I'm the problem. That's the thing. You can't complain about younger generations because you were some of the people that helped shape and mold them. So it's like as a parent, like their fault as a child is your fault as a parent. Oh, you're getting real deep there. Yeah, dude, it's tough when you really face reality and like, oh, these kids today suck. Aren't they your kids? No, our kids are the next generation. Right. And if they <laughs> suck, it's our fault. My children have no chance. So No, they'll be all right. Maybe if they like when your wife remarries, they get a cool stepdad. They'll be all right, dude. <laughs> well, might happen sooner than what we know. Uh all right, are we ready for shout outs or you yeah. got anything else? <laughs> No, I'm good. That's fun to see here. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see. Logan Austin, uh, Ace Gannon. Wait, is Logan Austin one person or is it two people? Is that Logan, comma, Austin or Logan Austin? Two first it names. It is one uh, one person, I believe. Just Logan Austin. Uh, Stefano Fator. Delaney Morrison. Kimber Chi. Daniel huh. Seljom. Casey Williams. Morgan Ebby. Thomas Guerrero, Jackson Rowe, uh, Christopher Blandizzi. Don't know if I believe that's a real last name, but still fine. I like names that end with like, you know, Z-I or like those Italian last names. Like, you know, just they have some solidif- uh, solidity, solidifly. <laughs> I don't like that. That was so bad. I don't even know what word you're trying to say. Like, I, I couldn't even like s- validity. Sure. Are you, yes. trying, are you trying to say like what word were you trying to say? <laughs> solid solidity. I don't. I don't know. They're I was solid making, names. Solidity. I was making shit up there. Uh I must have. Anyways, let me just end this. This is embarrassing. Uh, Kiara Tillman, Fred Corfi, and Jeffrey Trambley. Okay. Is Jackson J A C K or is there an X in Jackson? No, Completely a, changes my opinion of Jackson depending on what the how the spelling is. Definitely Jack Sun. G J A C K. Okay. That's fine. J A C K S O N is okay. J A X, not acceptable. That's gonna be a douche. And All right, I'm sorry well, if you're a Jackson listening to this, you know it. <laughs> no, I was just yeah. thinking like you just offended every every Jackson. Uh that's listening to this. That spells your name like that. Uh he doesn't mean it. All right, are you ready for uh, this this idea I have that you're going to absolutely Oh, hate? my gosh, right? I think it was supposed, in typical John fashion, it was supposed to be like three weeks ago, but it's today. Well, I've been I can't having, wait. 
been having internet issues, and I found out that it wasn't even my fault. Imagine that. Oh, okay. Um, so I have ten topics, and <laughs> literally, <laughs> literally, and and we can scale it down. We can go up. Okay. Uh, okay. On, I literally just want you to react to whatever I say. Triple uh, A batteries. I've always wondered why there's not B batteries. Like, why don't we have B, like B batteries? I've always found that interesting. I don't have a problem with AAA. I'm more of a fan of AA batteries. AA batteries are probably my favorite batteries. AAA batteries, maybe I could I could put them in there. I like D batteries. That makes you feel like you're really doing something. Then you go down to AAA. I don't like the little watch ones. You definitely made a good point there. I don't know why there isn't a B battery. I'm sure there has to be a B battery. There B batteries? Be. Uh, all right. Because people would think you're stuttering. But <laughs> that's probably why. Condoleezza Rice. I don't even remember what she was famous for. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, the Iowa caucuses. Don't care. Tell me when. Tell me when the results are in. Right. Like I don't want to get into any of that stuff. I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to do all that stuff. Fair enough. Also, um, also, fuck. Here we go. Like, <laughs> oh, here we go. Yes, let's see. Uh, what's this come out on the seventeenth? That's all. That's all we'll have to say for this year's political cycle. Is fuck. Here we go. Fuck. Here we go. Uh, all right. Uh, uh, Maker's Mark. Overrated. And I've never liked that bottle. I like things that like. I don't like it when you open a bottle and then there's still stuff left on it. I like things to be clean. Like if I open it, I want all the stuff off of the bottle. It's all right. All right. Eminem. Uh, the singer rapper is he that great of a rapper do other rappers think that he's a great rapper i mean he's famous i like some of his songs but is he that is he that like where is he if he's not a white guy i mean i i think lyrically in songwriting ability he's up there Obviously, I you know I think the color of his skin and the fact that he was able, the fact that Dre was able to pick him up, and he kind of you know, I don't want to say crossed lines because that's the wrong thing to say, but the fact that he was able to appeal to appeal to everybody, um, is also what makes him that great. Um, yeah, I, I would I put him in my top five rappers of all. Time. I, I don't know anything about if he's a good rapper or not. I don't particularly like a lot of his songs. That's just me. I just that's not my. I'm not that angry. I like happier music. (laughs) All right. Well, uh, speaking of happy, uh, volcano tourism. Oh, well, yeah, that'd be awesome. But I want to know, I want (laughs) to know exactly what's happening with the volcano, right? Like I want, I'm not getting any discount volcano tours, right? Like 20% off volcano tour. Like, no, (laughs) I'd like to pay full price, right? You need five star reviews. (laughs) All uh, five stars. Robert Downey Jr. Huge comeback, man. Huge yeah. comeback. But All I right. think that he, I feel like that he got confused at some point in his life and actually thinks that he's Tony Stark. He's somebody that I feel like started playing a character and then became that character. Okay. I mean, I think he's used it to his advantage to not only help him personally but professionally who wouldn't want to pretend to be a superhero in their personal life but actually why would have played one why would you turn that job down i think that'd be really hard to turn down any of those jobs but i think that he's i'm trying to think if there's any other actor that i'd be like after they play a character now that's who they are well jim carrey when he played 
the Hoffman guy or Huffman or something like that. Kaufman, Andy Kaufman. Oh, Kaufman. And then he yeah, was yeah. him from then on. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, yeah. Anyways, that's not the part of this uh, whole segment here. Uh, hot air balloons. No desire to do that whatsoever. Like, I don't like, why did we invent this? Actually, hot air balloons are probably one of the worst inventions that we've ever had as a society. Like, let's send people, hundreds if not thousands people of people in the air with a balloon and let's put fire below it. <laughs> like, if an alien species came in and saw hot air balloons, they would be like, what the hell are you guys doing? <laughs> hot air balloons are the craziest thing we've ever invented. Fair enough. Uh, I, <laughs> I don't even know how I came up with this one. Um, gas station hot dogs. Only one gas station I'm going to eat food from is Quick Trip. Quick Trip has pretty good food. Quick Trip is kind of like the Wawa, the racetrack, the really nice gas station that people like. I mean, it's it's not it's a gas station. It's not ridiculous, but it's nice. It's like, okay. It's not like the 7-Eleven that you're like, do I want to get gas in? <laughs> All right, and last one here. Uh, I think it's actually been quite successful so far. Uh, but we'll end on sanitary wipes. Use them nonstop in my life. I've literally never thought that I would be buying a carton of 900 sanitary wipes regularly with Costco orders. Um, I'm actually right there They're with great. you. That if, if the pandemic gave me anything, it's the importance of cleaning surfaces with sanitary wipes. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. That was solid. How do you feel about some of those? Right? Is there anything that you mentioned there that you have a particularly strong opinion about? I mean, you made a good point about. Well, I'm sure there is a B battery. There has to be. But like, that's a good point. I always felt like AAA batteries are kind of pointless. I mean, double A's are where it's at. Uh, volcano tourism to me just seems dumb. Uh, too risky. And, and if you're one of those tourism towns on the edge of a volcano i just don't know what you're thinking um yeah yeah i mean I i'm cool with gas station hot dogs and i think eminem's one of the greatest rappers of all time so okay here we go we got quadruple a so four oh. a's triple a double a half a a a i've never seen an a battery i've never seen a plain a battery there is a b battery oh it's only in the united kingdom there's a C battery, which looks gigantic. D battery, <laughs> F battery, which is like the size of a toilet paper roll. Oh, my God. It's a huge-ass battery. There's an N, an A23, an A27, a duplex battery. Okay, well, I could go on about batteries for a while. I'm fascinated by stuff like that. I mean, listen, that... Z batteries. I, Z batteries would also be a good one. I accomplished my mission there. It was pointless, but it was profound, so... Yeah, it's a deep slot. That's what the thing, right? Like, you, you find out the way that people think about little things. You can learn a lot about them. For sure. Absolutely. When you hang up your shirts, do you go through the neck or do you go up? Do you through go the... up through the bottom or do you go through the neck? Through the neck. Why? It stretches out the shirt. Go up. Because I have like 40 of the same kind of shirt. So what do I care? Well, you're ruining them. If you didn't ruin them, you wouldn't need so many shirts. You're going to bake and neck your shirt. Why wouldn't you go up through the shirt? I don't understand that. I don't know. It's fine. I, do, do I have hanger marks or something? What are you looking at there? 
I don't know. I've just wondered about this because I saw my son who's learning up to hang him. He goes through the neck. I was like, that's not the way to do that. <laughs> Go up through the shirt. Well, be, a res- be a responsible dad and tell him what he's doing wrong. I'm trying to learn him. I try to learn him. Right? I just, I okay. Try to learn him. <laughs> uh, are you ready for a top five? Uh, I am. I'm actually quite excited about this top five. Okay. So our top five is top five foods that start with the letter A. Perfect. Well, then I'm going to put angel hair pasta as my number five. Okay. It's all right. I don't know if I really like angel hair better than spaghetti. I would never really. I don't know if I would ever be like, do you want spaghetti? No. Too thick. Give me the angel hair. No, I mean, it's just like you said, there are there's not as many A foods as you think there are in terms of foods that start with the letter A. Avocado. Mm, I do. I actually have that on my list, but it's a little higher up, so I could come back to that. Do you think that it's weird that I don't like avocados but like guacamole? Because it's you, no, but um, in general, I might ask a question or two. Okay. I'm, All right. Well, let's, well, we can get to it when we get to your wherever yours is. All right, uh, my number four. Uh, my number four is ahi tuna. Mm. That's the thing that I don't know the difference. If you were like, "This is tuna," this is ahi tuna. Okay, <laughs> I'm not even entirely sure that I know the difference, but I know that I've, I've had ahi tuna and I love it. So, okay, my number four is ale. Explain it. I'm not sure what that is. I don't know what ale is. Too. I don't know the difference between ale and beer, but ale is, starts with an A. <laughs> Let's look it up. I'll look it up. All right, while you do that, I'm going to explain what ahi tuna is. It's a okay. uh, it's known for its high-fat content, rich flavor, and meaty texture, while tuna has a milder flavor and is softer with a more delicate texture. Beer is a broader term encompassing various styles and flavors. In contrast, ale is a specific type of beer made with a different kind of yeast and fermented at a different temperature lagers versus ale so everything is essentially an ale or a lager but it's all beer everything is so complex everything is so complex i actually thought you were being a smart ass i i i mean i know what ale is but i thought you were gonna say no it's some kind of cracker or something no it's just ale i thought you were mr beer snob i like i said i'm you know whatever uh my number three is uh i didn't (laughs) I'm going to put it. Asparagus. Ew. I am. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. That's like a big, hard division. That's like a big, hard. That's like a big division in society. People who like asparagus versus people who don't like asparagus. I mean, it's it's delicious when it's done right, when it's cooked right. Put it in the air fryer for 15 minutes with some Parmesan cheese. And some pepper. Oh, it's delicious. I have a strong opinions about food like that, where you have to do a whole bunch of stuff to it before it actually tastes good. Like, no, it's good if you put lots of butter on it and fry it and cover it in chocolate, and then it's really good. Like, is it? I mean, I, I don't. Is... I don't. I don't disagree with you, but asparagus is fine. It's it's good. It deserves to be at least in the top five of a foods. My number three is apples. Okay, um, I have kind of that coming up. Oh, okay. 
Okay, I see what you're going. All right, what's your number two? So my number two uh, is where I slotted in avocados. That's pretty high for avocados. Love them. And I I mean, I'll eat a large avocado by itself. It's Oh, it's so good. And you can put them on, what, salads, um, rice, any, I mean, really anything except like dark meats. I don't like, that's the thing. I would never eat an avocado by itself. Like to me, an avocado alone is disgusting, but guacamole is great. I mean, once again, you kind of just gave me shit about asparagus, but it sounds like you don't really like the avocado. You like it mixed in with everything else. It's still the dominant flavor, though. I feel like avocado is 70% of guacamole, flavor-wise. Maybe. What's your number Okay, what percentage are you going to put it on there, chef? Emerald? I don't know any famous chefs anymore to insult people. That's a thing that we have really missed out on in society that I would like to complain about. There is not enough references about people when they do something, comparing them to famous people. Like when somebody else used to talk about directions and you would give them directions, they would be like, okay, Rand McNally. Like that whole gen, that's lost on new generations. I just love how you- Gordon Ramsay. I just love how you like gave me shit for the generation talk earlier. And look what you just did. There is a one person under 30 that knows what a Rand McNally is. No, I don't think so. There isn't. I wonder if they even know how to read a map. No, probably not. And that's nothing to them. That's just their generation. If it's not Google Maps, they wouldn't know how to do latitude, longitude, any of that. Do you know how to do latitude, longitude? Like if I told you 23 clicks east or something like that, would you know how to... If I showed you longitude, longitude numbers, would you know anything about where that is? Yes, I could find I could find it on a map. You could... If you give me the degrees, I could find it. It's not that hard. What is 42 degrees north, 83 degrees west? Rand McNally. I mean, like, on the entire world? Like, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like, if you were, like, turn to page 18 and find that, I could find that for sure. Oh, I see what you're saying. Well, it's Detroit, but since you don't live in Detroit anymore, I could understand why you wouldn't understand. Yeah, whatever. Uh, My number one is apple pie. Okay. Apple pie is pretty good. Oh, I didn't do my number two, though. That's fine. Oh, because you just went on a fucking rant. That's right. I okay, fine. Rant. That's fine. Right. My number well, two is American. Time. My number two is American cheese. American cheese is the best kind oh. of cheese to me. You know what? That's uh, that's actually a good one. That's I probably messed up by not putting Asiago cheese on my list. God, you're such a snob. <laughs> I, said that. I don't even know what Asiago cheese is. <laughs> If I, had, like, I couldn't even pick a like pick which one is Asiago. Like, I don't know. The only not, kind of cheese I can differentiate is like blue, Swiss, and American. Because one has holes, the other has mold, and the other one's yellow, right? Right. That's pretty much it. Cheddar. I could probably pick out cheddar. But. Anyways, uh, yeah, so I guess since I jumped the gun, I'll re-say it. But my number okay. one is apple pie. Okay. It's good. It's a solid number one, I think. Uh, my number one is all-you-can-eat buffet. Okay. Starts with an A. It starts with an A. It just, it's kind of cheating, but whatever, it's fine. <laughs> it's not like this list is going down in, like, the hall of record. What if the only, what if somehow, what if somehow something happens, and the only thing that survives, media-wise, is this show 
Like somehow that's all that survives a thousand years in the future. People would be like, what the fuck? Yeah, they would be. <laughs> oh my God, could you imagine that? They they didn't used to have sex with robots? What? Like, why didn't they have, like, <laughs> why were they obsessed with all these top five lists? <laughs> what, what is, ha- what's a fleshlight, Susan? What is that? Man, these guys are like, what is, what is, <laughs> why, why was Jack's son so much worse than Jackson? <laughs> it's the same name. Could you imagine, like. One guy doesn't even know ago. how to follow the rules on a list, and all you eat, can, all you can eat buffet is not an A word. An A an starts a, with uh, A. All it starts with an A. All you can eat buffet. How is it whatever. any different than apple pie, which is just a combination I of mean, words? Because if we're gonna put, if we're gonna do that, like if we do tea uh, foods, you're not gonna say Taco Bell. Oh yeah, I would. I mean, Taco Bell is tea. Oh, you say tacos. You just say taco. Like you could do a buffet for B, I guess, and then say all you can eat. But I don't think it's my list. Put... That's fine. Fine. I'm not. I'm curious to see the graphic you pick out for it this week. Okay. What's do you have anything in your honorable mention? I have a f- mm. not very many. There's not as many A foods as you would think. Uh, I had two, uh, and then one that I just feel like I need to say. So almonds and apricots. And then artichokes. Eh. Yeah, exactly. Eh. Arby's? Can I put Arby's on the list? <laughs> yeah, I actually, I would accept Arby's. Arby's should be on the list. Should Arby's be. doesn't get as much credit as it should. It's good food. It's just like, it gets made fun of too much. It does, uh, absolutely. A- I think almonds, apricots, and artichokes are all the same thing. Where it's like, oh, you can eat that, but do you want to? Like, I want an apricot. Why? I could get a peach. It's way better. I'd rather have a nectarine than an ap- apricot. Is my lowest fruit on that kind of like looks like a peach scale. Peach number one, plum, nectarine, then apricot. Anyway, do you have anything on your honorable mention? No, not that you had. Okay, that's going to go ahead and do it for this episode of Profoundly Pointless. I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you get a chance, Leave us a quick review. We really appreciate it. really helps out the show. And let us know what you think are some of the best A foods. I think it's hard to beat like apples, apple pie, all-you-can-eat buffet. But if you're going to try to put asparagus up there, I mean, you, you better have a convincing argument. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.